definitely had our long-range scanners keeping a keen eye on the fast-changing public cloud space for quite some time. Because after all, the choose-your-own-adventure stylings of cloud has become the ultimate in silo-busting across every role of IT. And hey, you know how much we love busting silos. The Datanauts crew is electrified with excitement as the fine folks at VMware have sponsored today's episode to come on and share their deep knowledge and some tantalizing announcements with VMware Cloud on AWS. A really big thank you to VMware for sponsoring the show so that we can keep producing more delightful Datanauts content for you, our beloved audience. Howdy, I am Chris Wall. You can follow me at Chris Wall on Twitter. And with me is my co-host, who counts electric sheep at night to fall asleep, Ethan Banks. He's at EC Banks on Twitter. And this is the Data Nuts Podcast. You can find this and all of our shows on iTunes, in your favorite podcatcher, or at packetpushers.net. And as I alluded to, today is all about VMware Cloud on AWS. Without any further ado, Matt Dreyer, welcome to the show. Who are you? What do you do? And let's get nerdy. Hey, welcome, Chris. Welcome, Ethan. <laughs> uh, my name is Matt Dreyer. I'm a director of product management at VMware, uh, working on VMware Cloud at AWS. Right on. And we were talking earlier, like, this is your baby. You're really excited about this. This is like and your thing. I am so happy to be part of this project. been working this for the last couple of years with a, an outstanding group of PMs and engineers and UX designers and the whole bit, and uh, our fabulous crew at uh, Amazon as well. So that's a uh, has been a, a fantastic journey, and we're only about you know six-ish months old, so uh, it feels like we're we're just starting here. <laughs> yeah, there's been lots of buzz at all the VMware user groups and whatnot that I've been to. So let's go right into it. Can you give the audience a high-level overview? You know, what is VMware Cloud and AWS? How does it operate? What should I be thinking about in this service in the context of everything else that I've been hearing? You know, like give us kind of the intro to it. You bet. So VMware Cloud on AWS is an on-demand service. It does deploy VMware-driven SDDCs right in uh, in Amazon uh, cloud locations. Our SDDCs are fairly unique. Uh, it comes with a, a full package of ready-to-run VMware software, including vCenter Server, our vSphere uh, hypervisor, NSX for uh, network virtualization, and vSAN for, for storage virtualization. So we take all of the pain out of uh, provisioning and deployment. Uh, you simply click a button, we deploy into Amazon for you, and within about two hours, we hand you back the uh, the keys to a fully functional running SDDC. Right on. And for those playing the at-home acronym game, that's the Software Defined Data Center SDDC. As well as, I just had a quick question, is that like a nested virtualization inside of Amazon, or are those bare metal hosts that you're provisioning? Now, you know, we get that question quite commonly because uh, we've done so well with their hands-on labs and other uh, training environments. Right. Uh, this is bare metal. Uh, that's the only way you can do this in production and at enterprise scale. And so, uh, yeah, this is bare metal using uh, latest and greatest uh, hardware from Intel and, you know, hardware from Amazon as well. You'll find that these environments are extremely fast, uh, loaded with memory, lots of storage, uh, tons of compute, and we're adding hosts at a time. And so these are, again, sort of dedicated environments to run uh, run your applications in an enterprise context. So, Matt, what are the primary use cases that people are coming up? They're using VMware Cloud and AWS. And what are their use cases? What are the things they're choosing to use the service for? Yeah, this is a pretty important uh, question and uh, one that we see pretty much daily. It kind of helps to understand where we started the journey from, right? When when we were originally looking at building this, we, we really wanted to go crush the idea around uh, hybrid, 
We really wanted to figure out what was going to take a, to get a, a VMware customer into a cloud environment that they would actually not just live in, but thrive in. And uh, when we did all the conversations and, and boiled all down all the information, what it, it really came down to was getting to operational consistency. You know, these guys want to continue running vSphere just like they always have. They want to keep running it with their existing staff, and they don't want to have to retool. You know, they got thousands and thousands of lines of power CLI and all kinds of other great automation. And so just making the whole thing consistent is really a, a core tenet. And so if you bubble off from that, like if you're going to become consistent, why would you want to go somewhere else? And so that's where it really starts getting interesting. So the first thing that we see is the ability to put uh, capacity in a particular location. So let's say I'm a, a company out of the United States. I've got a new project going on in, uh, in Asia Pacific or, or maybe in Europe. Maybe I've got uh, some contract work going on there. Maybe I've got to reach some sort of regional data governance, but I don't want to go build a, a new data center. And so this is a fantastic way to augment your existing capacity and deploy in a specific region. Maybe you're trying to solve a performance problem or just get into a country that you don't feel like a, a building a data center in. So getting into a, to a regional location, fantastic use case. And that's pretty much on demand. I mean, uh, can I just swipe a card and, and off I go? Or is there a build-up time? Yeah. So the again, everything we do is automated by API. Unlike uh, some clouds, this is a cloud cloud. And so when you click <laughs> the button to uh, uh, create an SDDC, we go and on the back end, work our magic to call the Amazon APIs, wire up all of our code and, and hand it back. And so... There's nothing manually provisioned here at all. It's literally done by the the customer, both uh, create an SDDC as well as you know add and remove a host, add and remove a cluster. We've made the API surface uh, super slick and the UI super slick, and so yeah, it just goes. It, it's it's like cloud because it it is cloud because it is cloud. Okay, so okay, so on demand capacity regional. I can stand up new compute anywhere in the world that I need it very quickly. Uh, what are the other big use cases? The next big use case is uh, disaster recovery. And I think I see this every single day. And, uh, you know, as a, a solid IT practitioner, I think you just have to hate disaster recovery, right? <laughs> the whole notion of having stuff sitting in a cage somewhere or in another building somewhere that by default you should never use just makes people's skin crawl, right? And paying twice as much and burning twice as much electricity. And man, I sure hope I don't have to ever flip that thing and turn it. And so disaster recovery is a really nice fit because, again, with that operational consistency, you're starting on a target of uh, vSphere, you're ending in a target of vSphere, and you just have to get the, the workloads moved in, a, in an efficient manner. And so we've done a lot of work uh, in bringing up VMware uh, site recovery. The service is already sort of uh, pre-wired into the SDDC. You just have to turn it on with a, a couple of clicks. And so that is a, a very good way, a very economical way to get disaster recovery going, either from on-prem into the cloud or perhaps from one uh, region to another region, as well as even going, making your uh, primary in the cloud and failing back to on-prem if you're, if you're really on a, a path to get out of your own data center. Interesting. Yeah, I remember um, over the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, always having the hot site and the warm site 
and it was like, yeah, it's warm and it's running there. And we, we kind of test it sort of every now and again. And we always just really hope we never have to use it. It's, <laughs> yep. we, we know it's not going to fail over with any relative rate of automated success. It was going to be a dumpster fire that we're just trying to cram spaghetti into like couch covers or something insane like that. So I, I could feel that one. Absolutely. Well, I mean, a bad, bad weekend, right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, hopefully it's just a weekend. Moving on from there, I'm reminded of other partner networks. Like there's the the VMware Cloud Provider Program. There was the vCloud Air Network. I'm a little behind on my other offerings semantics. You know, there's there's other ways you can leverage VMware offerings in the cloud. How does that kind of compare either as a differentiator or, or kind of a similarity with VMware Cloud on AWS? Yeah, so um, VMware has enjoyed a, a very long and very good relationship with the channel. And so what we've been working very hard on is to get our, our partner programs uh, in shape for this new uh, VMware Cloud on, on AWS offering. So when we launched the service, uh, we did launch it as a uh, as a direct sale with, uh, with VMware, uh, transacted through uh, SPP credits or HPP credits, and these are you know, Googleable things. But what we're doing now is we're really trying to broaden this to uh, be applicable to a method that you buy your all of your other IT stuff from. So whether it's you know a credit card swipe, or working with your your favorite reseller, uh, or perhaps even going with uh, with one of the the MSPs that can provide you know really solid uh, value added services on top. And so we've been working very hard actually for uh, nearly a year now to make sure that we've got all the systems in place. We've got the partners trained up to a level that they're comfortable actually interacting and deploying uh, workloads in the system. And so we're really confident uh, that we're going to hit the hit the ground running here. And so uh, later this spring, you should see some, uh, some nice announcements around uh, the new VMware Cloud Partner Program. And uh, I think that there'll be some really exciting stuff out there for both our end customers in terms of uh, additional flexibility, as well as um, great new offerings that uh, these partners are going to bring to the game. Right on. How would you describe VMware Cloud on AWS as fitting into the overall SDDC architecture that you guys have? I mean, it's it's sort of the way you described it. Someone might think it's just another vSphere instance, but it's far away. It's up in the public cloud. Is that all there is to it? How would you describe that? Yeah, it's a, a little bit like that. Uh, if you look at where we've been going architecturally, at least at the at the foundation level, we've really focused uh, all of our energy around this concept of cloud foundation. And the idea there is that we need to be able to virtualize all of the core infrastructure in the data center. And so, you know, over the years, we've evolved from compute virtualization to network virtualization to storage virtualization. And so one of the core tenets here uh, in the service is to leverage all of that and bring all of that to the customer in the most efficient way possible. So if you look at how we model on-prem deployments, we use our uh, VMware validated designs, or VVDs, and these have been massively successful, right? If, you, if you're just coming off of a couple of hosts with vSphere and now you want to go build for real, you know, I highly suggest looking at those VVDs because they'll give you a really solid blueprint of like how to do stuff. Well, so we have the same problem when we're designing the service. So like, well, what should our SDDC look like? Like, what, what should we wire together? And so we turned immediately to the VVDs because it's just sound architectural guidance. And so what you're going to find there is guidance. You know, the, what we deploy is the exact same thing that we're telling our customers to deploy on-prem. 
And so from there, it makes it very easy to use this as a building block in a larger architecture. So say you've got, you know, a, a cyclic capacity need, you need to run, you know, a certain amount of workload all winter long, but summertime, you know, you're selling sodas to the kids and now you need, you know, 50% more capacity. We can go drop an SDDC into a region. It's again consistent with that that VVD guidance and just spin up another another environment with more capacity to let you run those workloads. That's fair enough. Kind of reminds me of like the the idea of shadow IT, but but done right. You know, like shadow IT was such as this horrible thing that people are out swiping cards and provisioning resources. Now it's like, well, you could do that, but it has a positive spin to it. And the connotation is that we're going to actually build this kind of similar and validated and in kind of air quotes correct. Yeah, so correct and, and yeah. supported and guaranteed. You know, yeah, that's, that's one of the real nice things here is that if you take a if you take a random VM in your data center and try to chuck that out onto a random cloud, odds are you're going to get some fail. It's it's probably just not going to work like you expected it to work because that VM and that application was never designed to work in the cloud. It just wasn't. You know, you're still rocking some like you know, QuickBooks from uh, 2003. I can guarantee you that that is not going to be very happy running in the public cloud, right? (laughs) But then you turn the tables and say, look, I'm going to give you a four-node bare metal cluster running VMware HA and VMware DRS. It's a total game changer. Now you can throw anything out there because we're going to go ahead and tolerate, you know, host failures. We're going to tolerate all this other messiness and you don't have to worry about that workload. It's, it's just like a workload running in the metal that you trust in your own data center. So Matt, kind of final thought as we continue the introduction of VMware Cloud and AWS to the folks. Uh, I was just thinking AWS, you know, the S is services uh, within the acronym. And that's kind of the beating heart of Amazon's public cloud offering. Now you have the VMware Cloud on AWS. Can I start accessing all those groovy services that are running the public cloud? You know, they're, they're kind of there. Can I just start taking advantage of them sort of quote unquote locally? Oh, absolutely. So this is one of the things that literally keeps me up at night because I, I like to write code in odd, odd hours. We think we're going <laughs> to see all kinds of new, awesome hybrid applications built out of this. I've built a handful of these myself, and uh, I can't tell you just how sort of invigorating it is. One of the, the great things here that that we give you in, in deploying a VMware SDDC in the Amazon cloud is this very close proximity to Amazon services. And we've also done a little of extra work to make sure that we can actually plumb that traffic across those services in a, in a very efficient manner. And so if you want to start building and upgrading and refining your applications with the, the Amazon stack, it's very possible to do so, and it's it's actually really beneficial. So to take a, an application like a classic three tiers, you've got a, a web tier, an application tier, and uh, maybe a database you're, you're no longer in love with. You know, simply port that database over to something like Redshift or, uh, or Aurora or any one of the other flavors that Amazon offers. And you can now you know, get out of the managing the database business, right? Great little use case. Another great use case, swapping out the web front end. You know, say you're tired of uh, reconfiguring the load balancer. Well, you know, maybe you flip a, the switch around the other way and use the Amazon Elastic Load Balancer as your front end and plumb in the, the application traffic back into the back end on the SDDC. There's a, a million different things you can do here. Uh, we've got some great recordings uh, out on YouTube of folks that have done this. 
I personally know of about six different versions of an Alexa app <laughs> that, uh, that you know, allows you to add hosts and make <laughs> SDDCs. So I think, I think we're going to see some great stuff out here. I think that, again, this allows you to operationalize your data center in the cloud and give you a real nice set of flexible tools to fix the, the modernization part of it. My ears perked right up when I heard VMware validated designs. So when you have a vendor that puts out what they would call a validated design, that means you've got a reference architecture that you can look to. And now it may not be exactly what you need, but it does give you a point of reference that you can dive deeply and look and see something that works. It's going to bring up things you hadn't thought about that might be important. And you can then apply that validated design to your architecture. And that's really handy when you're moving into basically a new space. You're moving into cloud here with this product. That just made me excited. You know, I love reference documents that, uh, that go deep and, uh, and, and challenge my mind when I'm thinking about architecture. What grabbed your attention, Chris? I just had a vision of you sitting in a jacuzzi filled with documentation, just like a child <laughs> excited. Like, yeah. um, but, but seriously, no, when, when Matt said, you know, get a VMware customer in a cloud environment that they can not just live in, but thrive in, I was like, oh, okay, that statement really resonates because we all know cloud's tough and making it easier is nothing to sneeze at. You know, sometimes there's some snark about, oh, you're just moving into cloud. Well, just that step is hard. And not just technologically, but the changes to culture, tooling, workflows, there's a lot of effort to lift into that environment. And the ultimate goal is to adapt your applications to the cloud, but you got to get there first. So I like that he talked about thriving in the public cloud. All right, Matt, we've got some good background on what VMware Cloud and AWS is, what it's good for, what I can do with it. Now, I am, let's say, a VMware administrator and wondering how my life is going to change if I introduce VMware Cloud and AWS into my hybrid cloud world. Give me the lowdown. Well, this is one of the the design targets for the whole the whole project is that operational consistency. So you as a, a VI admin that knows what you're doing in vSphere, we want to make your life as consistent as possible. So what that means is after some initial configuration up in the console, we immediately drop you down into the vCenter web client where you can bang around, make VMs, you know, manage your VMDKs, you know, add uh, port groups, and do everything that you do on a, on a normal day-to-day basis as a VI admin, which is largely around you know, making and maintaining VMs. And so uh, that part works just great. We've really gone the extra mile there again in trying to make sure that we can consistently do that between your SDDC and your on-prem. So one of the things that we delivered as a sort of a unique feature in this offering is something called vCenter Hybrid Linked Mode. So what Hybrid Linked Mode allows you to do is log into that vCenter that's deployed in your SDDC and link it back to your on-prem. And when you do that, all of a sudden you get the inventory view from both your SDDC and your on-prem in one pane of glass. So now doing things like, you know, migrating VMs back and forth, either cold or with a live vMotion, like just works. You just right-click that VM, do migrate, and boom, you're off to the races. So I, I don't have to go into a different interface. I'm in the vSphere web client that I'm used to. I'm seeing things in, and again, you said uh, one pane of glass. Uh, I can use Power CLI and all of those tools that I've built up my experience with. 
Absolutely. Yeah, the PowerCLI uh, team has d just done a great job uh, building out uh, another level of, of automation against the, the API. And so you'll find uh, commandlets available for literally everything that we can do in the service. So if you're a PowerCLI person, man, you can take those existing scripts with minimal uh, reconfiguration, point those at your SDDC and automate all day long on those. And so you'll see more and more commandlets come out, uh, but all, even at launch, we had a, a pretty much a full boat. I mean, you're making it sound like it's really nothing's changing. You said operational consistency. So we're getting that message, but still there are some differences. So would there be a benefit in maybe taking some courses or doing some certs or something that perhaps would make me a better admin using this service? Good question. I think there is an opportunity here. One of the things that we're finding is that most VI admins and most of our customers are extremely familiar with how their vSphere environments work and really just not even familiar with the, even the basic language being used in, in Amazon services. And so there's sort of a choice here. As an admin, you can you can stay uh, in that mode and, and run that part of the environment and maybe hand off the, the Amazon uh, part of operations to a counterpart. There's another opportunity there, though. Uh, if you take up just even a, a basic certification on the, on the Amazon side, you know, learn a little bit about how EC2 instances work, learn a little bit about how a VPC works, then you can be way more effective, right? Then you can really be participating and wiring these new hybrid applications, making sure the traffic is flowing properly from the SDDC into the, the VPC on the other side, you're wiring up things like uh, S3 buckets. So not necessary, but really kind of a nice opportunity to uh, perhaps learn some new skills and, and really be able to put yourself in a position to start building some of this sort of advanced hybrid stuff. What about kind of more of the architectural decisions that occur with VMware Cloud and AWS? I mean, I, I know we brought up the VMware validated designs, the VVDs, but from a topology perspective, I guess let's start at the basics. Is it you start at four nodes and, and build up from there? Because you mentioned vSAN and other things like that. Yes. So we, uh, when you deploy, so again, this is all on demand. So you, you come into our UI or hit the API and you say, create an SDDC. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ask you a handful of questions. Uh, we ask you, where do you want to put it? You know, do you want to put it in uh, U.S. West and Oregon or U.S. East and Virginia or in Europe uh, West, which is uh, the London region? And so you, you select a region, uh, you give it a name, you select the number of hosts that you want to deploy at an initial round, and that can be anywhere from four to 16 hosts. Connect it into another VPC so you can run these uh, these hybrid applications, and I hit go, and you're you're off to the races. <laughs> so it sounds pretty familiar. I mean, is it? Am I limited to one clusters? Can I can I make multiple clusters or data centers? That you know the virtual data centers. You know, kind of how much flexibility do I have as I construct the hierarchy? Yeah, the the hierarchy is uh, incredibly flexible. So you can have uh, one or many SDDCs. So let's say you, you want to boot one in uh, in London for some local folks there. Maybe you've got a big application you want to deploy across the U.S. So maybe you boot another SDDC in Oregon and another in Virginia. You know, connect those with a with a VPN tunnel so they can talk to each other. Very, very flexible. And inside the SDDC, we do also lay down the, a full working topology. So we fully put in uh, the NSX edges to protect the, the management stack and the, the workload stack. You know, vSAN is already pre-configured. It's ready to go in terms of 
you know, adding uh, public IPs in if you want to expose an application to the internet uh, or creating an IPsec uh, VPN tunnel back on-prem. And it really is a, a well-designed system for, for deploying rapidly and, and getting your feet wet. Do I have to trade off any of my beloved kind of like, these are my vSphere feet, you know, HA, DRS. Do I get to keep those? Because that's kind of a deal breaker for me. Yeah, so all of that stuff is turned on by by default. So that is again uh, the magic of, of vSphere that we know and love, right? vSphere isn't vSphere without DRS. And if if you don't have DRS and and vMotion, like you're just another hypervisor, right? So these things are already pre-configured. Um, the vSAN is already stretched across the, uh, the SSDs and all of those hosts and ready to roll. Uh, the only thing you do give up, though, is that this thing is deployed as a service. So what you should be giving up is all the headaches of uh, dealing with really low-level stuff, right? If a server goes down in your data center, like, that's probably your problem. Right? If a server goes down in your SDDC, that's a VMware problem. So if that happens, we're automatically you know alerted because we've got uh, all kinds of uh, monitoring in place. And what we'll do is automatically go back and add in another host and uh, rebalance the cluster. So all of the the really low-level stuff is taken care of for you. So while you're continuing to manage the SDDC from a software point of view, all of that hardware gnarliness goes away. You're sort of trading your your hardware for for a more cloud-like experience. I like that. Are you considering allowing you to kind of do stretched clusters across availability zones. You know, since it's running on vSAN, that seems like a potential future option. Yeah, this one's really, really good. So if you follow um, uh, any of the Amazon well-architected designs, uh, they've got a really nice and and comprehensive blueprint there for what, what kind of topology you need to deploy to hit a certain number of nines. And this is all written down. They publish a new version of this every November. And it's really interesting because you start off with like, a, you know, I just want two nines. And so they say, okay, go deploy your application in one availability zone in one region. Fine. No problem. Any, anybody can do that. Hmm. Then you start getting up to, you know, two, three, and four nines. And all of a sudden you fall over this uh, hole that says, I have to totally rewrite this application. Like to, to get anything beyond like the basic level of uh, well-architected, you have to redesign an app. And so what we've done here with multi-AZ stretched clusters is to take that application re-architecture pane out of the equation. So what we do when you choose this configuration option is we'll actually go deploy the half of your hosts in one availability zone half of your hosts and the other availabilities on that you choose and do all of the, the both network and vSAN stretching to make that stretched cluster work. You immediately get uh, another nine, if not more, and you immediately get uh, resiliency uh, and tolerance for an AZ failure without, again, having to go rewrite you know, QuickBooks 2003. Right? It just works. You get the whole <laughs> advantage of the cloud uh, without having to do uh, any work on your end. Yeah, that's pretty awesome because they have all those high-speed interconnects and, you know, they're, they're it's usually rings of three to five AZs within one region. So that that's pretty groovy. I don't I think that may be a little understated how, how cool that'll be just because uh, there's so much headache that goes into making something highly available, especially when you're trying to do it across data centers, that to, to make that simple 
and you know add, add another nine to your gold necklace of nines uh is, is always the goal you know? <laughs> yeah but I, I just gotta interject though just anytime we talk about stretching a network across availability zones my inner network guy goes no don't do it <laughs> so there's a, there's a fun podcast at some point in discussing the pros and cons because yes the availability is there but uh oh my gosh we just stretched our network a really long way this is amazon's network it's way better than your home network buddy <laughs> <laughs> fair enough <laughs> Oh, so Matt, talk to me about troubleshooting then. So what changes when I'm doing, oh, if I'm really comfortable in my own environment with my own servers, how to troubleshoot my vSphere environment, what's different if I go to VMware Cloud on AWS? The key difference is that somebody else is going to do it for you. Uh, So again, uh, this is a service. And so... We support uh, all of the underlying stuff. So we're, we're monitoring your hosts, looking for you know high CPU utilization, high disk I.O., high network I.O. And we're going to um, notify you or perhaps even take action if we see something going out of whack. So that's one of the, the sort of nice changes here is that you can start providing sort of higher level services instead of having to be you know digging around in, in logs all day you know that's literally our job and uh, your job is basically to, to consume the the infrastructure and to perhaps build you know higher level uh, value on top of it you know maybe put in a uh, an automation platform like vrealize automation or you do some capacity planning and that sort of stuff. So again, as I'm, if I'm removed from that lower level, then I'm not doing things like uh, running SSH into the host, running ESX top, looking at resource uh, utilization and these kind of things because I don't need to care about that. You're telling me, all right, that's part of the part of the value add. We've got you know, all kinds of uh, instrumentation and uh, the full staff on hand that's you know watching these environments twenty four seven. So. We're going to take care of the operations for you, and we're going to give you uh, plenty of notification and, and remediation if, in the event that bad things happen. Now, now you're saying we. So does that mean – I mean, am I dealing with VMware specifically, or is there also an Amazon person I might have to deal with depending on what's going wrong? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. So the we is VMware, and uh, it's sort of the collective we of uh, our – Site reliability engineers and our, our backend devs and uh, and the monitoring tools that we have in place. So, we your um, business relationship is with VMware, and uh, we handle everything on the backend with Amazon. And so, uh, there's a single bill that comes from VMware, a single point of provisioning, which is the uh, the vmc.vmware.com uh, API and UI. And a single point of support. So when you uh, when you open up a chat window and uh, get support, which is a wildly popular, by the way, you know you're you're talking to a, a VMware person that's going to know a lot about this environment, and is going to take you all the way through fixing your problem. You know, my takeaway was the comment around "Don't worry about the gnarly infrastructure woes." I mean, first, I love the word gnarly, but also that's the point, right? not focusing on the nitty-gritty infrastructure stuff. Yeah, I get it. It's fun. I have a home lab too. It's fun to tinker around with that stuff. But if you focus on the higher portions of the stack and really delivering the applications and the services that generate revenue for your brand, your company, whatever you want to call it, that's where the value is. You know, that's where we're all trying to operate. And honestly, that's where the fun is too. So I kind of like that the, you know, no worrying about gnarly infrastructure was brought up. Ethan, what's tickling your noodle? I appreciated the point about operational consistency. So one of the challenges that a lot of shops seem to have is 
understaffed, overworked, and needing to just get things done. And so when you're making a major shift to cloud, it's a challenge if you're trying to pick up what was your VMware environment and then migrate it into Azure or AWS and use their native services because you're retooling essentially everything and reinventing a lot of your processes. So you now have an opportunity to get into cloud but not have to change all of your processes and how you're doing things. So that operational consistency point, I think, is going to make a, a lot of sense for folks that are in that position of needing to get cloud done, but not having the time to completely reinvent how they're doing their compute. It's kind of a big deal, and I think it's underappreciated by some folks. All right. Well, I think we've had a great introduction, gotten deeper. Hopefully, those that are looking to operate VMware Cloud on AWS as a day-to-day thing feel comfortable and and know where to go to get more information. Now we have announcements. There was so many things announced recently about the VMware Cloud and AWS offering that I wanted to go ahead and just dive into kind of each one and tickle them apart. So the first one, Matt, you have more availability. I think you've expanded to the EU. You want to talk about that? We have, man. Again, we are uh, we're riding on a on a very fast train here. And so um, recently announced uh, the London region. Uh, this again is a, a massive uh, milestone and uh, delivered just 90 days after we opened up in uh, North Virginia. So we continue this pace of dropping significant new features uh, every 90 days. We've now shipped vSphere uh, three times in the period of what 180 days, which like the company has literally never done before. And so going into to London is huge, right? Uh, we've got lots and lots of demand out of uh, all over Europe uh, for uh, an in-region location. And so the ability to turn on and the, the same hardware type in London, Virginia, and, and Oregon is very important. Another great feature that's coming in in London is the ability to uh, transact in British pounds. So uh, the local buyers there can stay within their own currency. You don't have to go scramble at the cash machine to find dollars, if you will. And so uh, we're really excited for London coming online. Hmm. What about the uh, extensions to the partner program? That's uh, You mentioned the partner relationship earlier on, and, and now you're announcing some extensions there. Exactly. So the, uh, the partner program, again, very excited to have all of our solution provider and MSP partners on board. Again, these are folks that we've been working with for uh, almost a year now, developing uh, along with them advanced uh, services and offerings that uh, that they'll bring to market. So anywhere from uh, you know architectural help to uh, migration services to you know, full-on running and operating of applications in some cases, we think the, the partners have done a fantastic job really carving out uh, unique propositions for delivering advanced uh, value on top of the SDDC. So very excited to have uh, the partners coming along with us. There was also some pretty cool announcements about expanding the service access. And, and I know that really got me excited because I'm seeing things like CloudFormation templates and Terraform. And like these are all the right words and the right kind of tools that I want to see when we start talking public cloud. So can you kind of expand upon that a bit? We're tickled by all this. Again, you've really got sort of a bunch of script junkies that uh, that are heavily involved in this product. So you're going to see more and more. Uh, <laughs> Guilty of charge, you know? Yeah. They're uh, um, highlighting all of this is a new feature we turned on called the Developer Center. And for those of you that are familiar with uh, code.vmware.com, that's sort of our central repository for you know all things script that we have at uh, VMware. 
we've done a bunch of work to stitch that similar capability right into the product. So anything from being able to you know actually use the the API endpoints right in product and the and get sort of feedback back on on API calls that you might be testing out to new power CLI commandlets to this brand new work that we're doing with a uh, uh, CloudFormation and with uh, HashiCorp Terraform. So again, when you're when you're deploying big cloud environments and cloud applications, you gotta script the whole thing end to end. And man, what great tooling we have in CloudFormation and Terraform, right? You can bring up in a single sort of very long template flow, your SDDC and VMware Cloud on AWS, VPC on the Amazon side, a couple of instances, a Redshift database, and and make the whole thing rock and roll uh, completely as infrastructure as code. And so... A uh, very exciting set of uh, capabilities here. We're going to continue to extend these and uh, and add to them. And so very excited to have the automation on board with both uh, Terraform and CloudFormation. Yeah, and I, I love that th- these are not like niche tools that, you know, some rando in the corner has used. Like these are pretty mainstream tools. I, I'm using Terraform quite heavily and, and, and dabbled a little CloudFormation. But it's something that I kind of like that if you're in that ecosystem, you're already somewhat familiar with these infrastructure as code type configuration tools. So I that, tell that, you, that's we, really we cool were, to me. We yeah. were a coin flip away from bash shell scripts, but we, uh, <laughs> we, we landed on Terraform. Yeah. Just curl everything. <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> Matt, let's talk more about uh, mission critical apps and some of the enhancements that were there. We mentioned the core stuff, HA and uh, SRM earlier. What an- enhancements have been added for mission critical apps? Right. So here, the uh, the additional support that we get out of our, our ecosystem is uh, very important here for doing uh, doing backups and restores. So again, we've got a, a number of uh, very familiar faces on the on the technology partner side for doing sort of basic infrastructure protection, and then down into the advanced stuff with the the multi AZ work where you can you know deploy these uh, stretched clusters across AZs. This really gets us into a, a much more available state. The other one that I'll throw a shout out to here is um, VMware uh, Hybrid Cloud Exchange, so HCX uh, by the, the short form. This, again, is another fabulous capability for doing sort of persistent hybrid connections and doing bulk uh, migration of, of workloads. So if you've got a, a data center or location you've got to shut down and you're going to bring that into VMware Cloud on AWS, that set of tooling has really knocked the skin off the ball in terms of doing a WAN acceleration and a traffic steering to, to get those workloads onboarded as quickly as possible. And I think it's neat that I was reading that, that it's kind of the native vSphere HA is being leveraged here because ever since it was re- rewritten with FDM and you no longer had like the master slave host, that kind of like, I've really been a huge fan of that rewrite. I think that was vSphere 5 when that came out. So it's something you can trust because you're already using it today. Like, I don't know anyone that builds a vSphere cluster that doesn't enable HA. That'd be kind of weird. So it's, it's not some weird, quirky tool that you've never heard of before. It's something that's pretty trusted across everybody's data center. So that, that, yeah. that's a thumbs up for me. So, Matt, I mentioned uh, SRM earlier that there was some support there. And, I, and there's some announcements here. I guess it scales bigger now, eh? Yeah, again, this is a sort of the path of continuous improvement. So we uh, we initially launched the the site recovery option back in uh, in November. Works great. We've already got uh, pretty solid adoption on that feature in our customer base. And so, you know, as all things, uh, we need to grow. And so, uh, this team has really uh, done a great job in uh, scaling that solution to protect, you know, double the number of VMs that we did at launch. 
and you're going to continue to see us uh, run down this road, right? The, the intent really is to get to uh, to full data center replacement. And so, you know, all of the tooling here is going to continue to scale the, to get to that pace. Now, you said uh, twice what was originally announced. So I'm just looking at the notes here. It looks like that's 1,000 VMs that can be protected for uh, per SDDC. That's right. 1,000 VMs, pretty, uh, pretty big number, right? All the VMs, yeah. All the VMs. <laughs> So another thing that kind of tickled my fancy, looking at enhanced support for data-intensive applications, it, it's specifically hitting on vSAN, which is the storage technology that underlays you know, all, what, what all the virtual machines are running on. And it was going into compression and deduplication and, and the fact that these are some pretty cool things you can turn on. Do you want to go into kind of why you'd want to turn them on, what they do, and, and expand upon that announcement? You bet. So this is, again, another great demonstration of sort of continuous improvement in the service. So when we uh, launched the service back in uh, August of last year, the goal was to get to market on time, and, and that's uh, that's what we did. And so one of the things that we were really wanted to, to do as soon as we possibly could was to turn on uh, some of the really cool capability in vSAN uh, dedupe and compression. So what these do is basically make way more efficient use of the SSDs that are already running in your cluster. And so by turning this on, and this is something we'll just automatically turn on for all of our customers, you'll enjoy a lot more storage availability right in that cluster without you having to do anything. So after we you know, upgrade your SDDC, you know, the next day you're going to see a, a massive new amount of space that's just available and frankly for free. And so we'll continue to turn these features on and, uh, and continue to enjoy the benefits of innovation in the, in the products that we deploy in the service. Matt, are there any highlights around, I don't know, ISVs that you're working with doing the cool stuff? Because you seem to really be jazzed up about the offering and, and obviously strong partners. So you just extend that further. So I'm just curious to scratch your brain about that a bit. Yeah, things are things are going exceptionally well in uh, the second party and, and third party uh, solutions that uh, that are working with uh, with VMware Cloud on AWS. You know, this is one of the things that's really kind of in the back of everybody's mind. You know, if I'm going to leave my data center, you know, I can't leave all my stuff back there. Like my stuff's got to come with me. And so we've been working really hard with uh, all of our, our technology partners across a broad range of solutions to uh, to make sure that uh, everybody's coming along from, for the ride. So anything from uh, data protection and backup solutions from, you know, EMC, Veeam, uh, NetApp, uh, the whole kit and caboodles in there. On the DevOps side, you know, we work with Ansible, we work with Chef, we work with Jenkins. Uh, migration, we've got a, you know, a half dozen different ways to uh, to do modeling and, and migration into uh, VMware Cloud on AWS. All of the standard players from uh, from traditional network and uh, data center security are in play. So you want a, a checkpoint firewall, a Palo Alto Networks firewall, an F5 load balancer. All these things are uh, um, they're tested and, and available. And so we really have uh, done our best to uh, to get um, the first wave of those over 50 on board. And we're going to continue until we until we get everybody. Like we really want to be able to replicate what you've got on-prem up in VMware Cloud on AWS and uh, and just keep rocking and rolling. <laughs> it's like there's a party in the VMware Cloud and you're invited. So. Everybody's invited. <laughs> For folks that want to go a little bit deeper beyond the, the podcast here, where, do you have a link or something where they can go and uh, ex- explore this topic further? You bet. Uh, cloud.vmware.com. There you'll find information about VMware Cloud on AWS, uh, as well as all of uh, our other portfolio of uh, cloud services from VMware. 
a really a great source of, uh, of information and actually, you know, a button there to uh, click to get started. And so, uh, again, this is uh, on demand and cloudy. And so that is your entry point uh, into the into the whole set of the world here. Right on. And what about you, Matt? Are you social? Are there places they can follow you on Twitter or your blog or something like that? Yeah, I'm uh, Matt underscore Dreyer at, on Twitter and uh, I'll, I'll occasionally tweet back. Right on. So you are social, hit you up. If you got questions, go to the link for more details. And man, there's a, I don't know, this whole thing has got me pretty jazzed up. I've used the service earlier in my past and I was like, okay, this, it felt kind of the same. And I was like, that's the positive message around that. So check it out. It's worth a, it's worth an investigation at the very least. So that's it for today's edition of the Data Knots podcast. I'd like to thank VMware very much for sponsoring the show and Matt Dreyer for coming on to nerd out with us on VMware Cloud on AWS. If you're a social creature, you can follow me. I'm at Chris Wall on Twitter, and my blog is wallnetwork.com. Or my delightful and snarky friend, Ethan, he's at ECBanks on Twitter, and he blogs at packetbushers.net. For more of our Data Not shows about infrastructure engineering, do a nosedive down the rabbit hole that is packetpushers.net. You'll find the Data Not's talking about containers, conferences, cloud certifications, full stack engineering, you name it, it's all there, a bountiful feast for your ears. And until then, may your server lights blink, your availability zones remain available, and your cables be cleanly managed. Thank you.